today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Time for the Marystown Hall, though. Obviously, because of the lockdown of COVID uh, for the last 18 or 19 months, we've been doing shortened versions of these uh, simply for a logistical standpoint. But I guess as we start to move a little bit more towards quote-unquote normal, uh, today we expand it to the full one hour, as it usually has been for the Marystown Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger joins us, and uh, we will take your calls in just a couple of minutes. Uh, 905-645-3221. That's the local number, 905-645-3221. If you're on a cell phone, it's toll-free, star 9900. And to call long distance, 1-800-263-2428. Star 9900 or 1-800-263-2428. And, of course, the local number, 905-645-3221. Uh, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger, uh, welcome to the program, Mr. Mayor. Good to talk with you again. Yeah, good to be back and great to be on for the hour. I look forward to uh, some interesting questions. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover, and we'll go to calls and, yeah. uh, and emails in just a couple of minutes, Mr. Mayor. Uh, to begin with, though, uh, as you're aware, and I'm sure our listeners are, since we've been talking about this on the program, uh, locally here are judges hearing arguments as the city fights to enforce bylaws against tenting in public places. The Hamilton Community Legal Clinic lawyers are seeking a permanent injunction that would stop the city from dismantling dozens of small encampments. Now, uh, Wade Poziomka is a co-counsel for Hamilton Smart and Keeping Six, who are representing uh, the people in the encampments. He says he believes the central question here is whether people with nowhere else to go have the right to erect shelters. The, the solution for everybody is ultimately to eliminate encampments. Nobody wants encampments, so the, the Hamilton Community Legal Clinic and their clients aren't fighting to say we need to have permanent encampments in the city of Hamilton. They're fighting to say that there's no other option. Representing uh, the city, uh, those lawyers uh, from uh, Gowlings are suggesting, look, at if you do this and you let these things stay, you're just encouraging people to set up uh, tents instead of actually seeking long-term shelter in uh, some of the shelter spaces that are accommodating uh, people in the city right now. And back and forth. By the way, there's no decision on this yet. It's going to take a while, I think, to render a decision. Mr. Mayor, your council have uh, been talking about this back and forth. There's some pretty heated discussions. You've heard some of the opinions. There are some councillors that want these things ripped out now. Others are saying, look, there's a humanitarian element in place. Uh, I know it's before the courts right now, but what are your views on this? Well, let's let's start with Bill and, you know, good, good, good issue to start with. Uh, you know, these encampments have been around, uh, you know, for a, for a long, long time. This is not new. Uh, you know, invariably, the, camp, the encampments have been, uh, you know, in, uh, kind of out of the way places. And uh, they're pretty consistent over, you know, the, the 20 years or 25 years that I've been around. Uh, we've, we've had encampments, uh, you know, happening in our community, but they have not been in our public parks. And that's really kind of the central issue that we're dealing with right now. They're, they're, they're emboldened. They're, uh, they're, they're you know, demanding you know, park space. And uh, we have a bylaw against that uh, for all the right reasons. Uh, we, we cannot encourage people to live rough in our community and take up all of our, our park space. Uh, and we do have, for many of the individuals that are in encampments, we do have housing opportunities for them. Uh, for others, there's a, there's a limited amount of people where they have so many issues, whether it's uh, addiction or mental health issues, that they can't be housed in uh, in traditional shelters. Uh, have them there because they're too, too disruptive. Uh, they can't be housed in uh, in affordable housing locations because they tend not to to, to to last, and they also get evicted from those uh, situations because of their challenges. And and we require a more housing for them, a limited number of individuals that uh, has full wraparound supports, and that's that's the the the, the big kind of uh, glaring issue. So when Mr. Posionka says that he would like to not have encampments and that uh, that you know many of these folks have nowhere else to go. That 
that is not true for all of those cases, but it is true for some very limited numbers of them. And we're talking about approximately 40, 45 individuals, uh, you know, out of a population of 530,000 uh, individuals. We're talking about, you know, that many people that uh, currently are living rough in our community. A majority of them could uh, go into housing, and we continue to offer housing opportunities to them, and that's, that's ongoing work, whether there's an injunction or not an injunction. Uh, we continue to do that. Everyone agrees that that's the effort that we should keep putting forward in terms of providing those housing opportunities and shelter opportunities for these individuals. But there are limited uh, numbers of them that, uh, that are challenges that uh, we don't have an easy answer for. And we, we continue to pursue our provincial government for additional funding to create a scenario where there are more uh, housing opportunities with, with wraparound supports. And by wraparound supports, I mean it, it means that these individuals need two or three uh, either social workers or addiction, uh, you know, assistance uh, individuals or mental health professionals to help them through the day. And that's, uh, that's a particularly huge and onerous challenge that, uh, that really is the nub of the issue uh, as we're dealing with uh, this going forward. So I, I, I fully support the notion that we should not be allowing encampments in our parks. Uh, parks are made for the use of all of our residents. Uh, they should not be a hazard for our residents to use. They should not have to interact with needles or, or have to worry about, uh, you know, potential crime or fires or, you know, defecation in the park that obviously ha- comes with these kinds of encampments. Uh, so that shouldn't happen in our park space. And uh, we need to continue to follow through on that. And I hope the judge rules that that's, uh, that's a reasonable standard for us to have. And then we'll continue to work. On, on finding places for these individuals in our community, <clears throat> either you're choosing to live rough or, or have no other options. And uh, we're going to continue working on it as hard as we can. If the, uh, the judge, i got a lot of stuff, but I just want to follow a question here. If the judge rules in the city's favor, Mr. Mayor, uh, mm-hmm. how quickly would you want to get these, these things cleaned up? I mean, it, we've seen some pretty ugly pictures in the past in other municipalities uh, where police have swept in and, and it gets pretty ugly because there's confrontations and there's pushback on this. Uh, I, I don't want to see that happen, and I know you don't either, but, but what, what's the protocol here if, if the city is, is ruled to be on the right side of this? Well, the previous protocol has been that, uh, that we give them a trespass notice and, and we give them 14 days to, uh, to vacate and get uh, into a housing situation. We provide assistance and support to do that. Uh, so it's not just, uh, you know, someone marching in and, uh, you know, dismantling everything without any notification or without any sensitivity to, to the individuals that are there. Uh, there's, there's real concern for the health and well-being of people that are living in encampments. That's always been the case. That's never changed. And that will never change. But the reality is that the judge rules in favor of our approach, that that approach has always been to provide proper notification. So we actually put a notice on a tent that says 14 days from now, uh, you are to be out of this park location. And if that doesn't happen, then there's uh, authority for our bylaw individuals and potentially the police to help back them up to, uh, to remove them, uh, you know, uh, uh, forcibly uh, to, to enact a by- bylaw. You know what, if, if we don't have a bylaw that has teeth in it, then, then you can also anticipate that more and more individuals will take the opportunity to start occupying our park spaces. And uh, that's certainly not something that I think is desirable for anyone. And, uh, but there's a, there's a sensitive uh, notification process that uh, would occur, that has occurred in the past. Uh, we do have had activists uh, that are not living rough but are you know, passionate about the issue, try and blockade 
these kinds of activities, even though the judge may, may rule in favor of the city of Hamilton. Uh, but that's an issue we're going to have to deal with. So uh, we're, we're going to try and be as sensitive and compassionate and caring as we always have been to ensure that these individuals get uh, appropriate treatment and get appropriate notification uh, in terms of the actions that we're going to take. This is uh, the Bill Keller Show, of course, on 980 CFPL London, 900 CHML Hamilton, the Mayor's Town Hall, Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger with us uh, for the entire hour. Uh, 905-645-3221, star 9900, the numbers to call with your questions for Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger. Uh, as we mentioned off the top, Mr. Mayor, no shortage of uh, topics, uh, rather controversial yeah. topics. Uh, so let's move on to uh, urban boundary expansion. Uh, always Ooh. a dicey topic. Uh, not the first time that City Council has faced this. Uh, every couple of years, this seems to come up. Uh, there's a staff recommendation that is uh, recommending uh, a small uh, urban boundary expansion. I, I can't remember the exact uh, amount of, of land that's at, at stake here. Uh, there's a lot of pushback. There was an online survey that was done. Uh, mm -hmm. There's another mm -hmm. independent survey that was done on this. Uh, you've got the letter to the editor that was in the Hamilton Spectator the other day from Municipal Affairs Minister Steve Clark, uh, basically saying, look, it, it, adhere to this. It's going to have to happen. If you guys are going to grow, and these are the numbers that are being projected, they're going to have to do this. Uh, uh, this is ultimately going to come up to Hamilton City Council. They're going to have to make a decision on this. So what's what's going on, and where do you stand on the, on the urban boundary expansion? Well, I, you know, it's a, it's a complex issue. So I do appreciate the uh, the various opinions that are out there, and there's a, a lot of details that wrap around this. Uh, you you you've been part of the, you know discussions around this, and you know how mm -hmm. complex it is. I think it's rather unfair for uh, for anyone to put this kind of a question on a on a you know a survey or a or a poll because it really doesn't give any of the individuals that are responding to that uh, the full picture. Having said that, uh, I, I respect the opinions of uh, the, you know the for and against uh, you know by the uh, the urban boundary expansion. I, I appreciate that the minister has a view; he's entitled to his view. Uh, from my perspective, uh, I'm going to base my, my decision on everything that I know about what's going on in the city of Hamilton, as well as the information that our staff are going to provide us. I can tell you that we can look with a pretty skeptical eye to the, the population projection numbers that have been delivered to the city that, uh, that forms the basis of the staff recommendation, which is a pretty significant growth projections that we have never met. Uh, so the previous government had uh, pretty pretty aggressive growth projections as well, and we didn't come anywhere close to meeting those growth projections in the last five to ten years. And so I think it's reasonable to have a skeptical eye to that. And uh, I can add to that that we're, we're the province and the city and the federal government uh, is investing billions of dollars in an LRT, uh, you know, half of it predicated on, uh, inner city growth and uh, and higher density uh, development opportunities all the way along the corridor and you know that 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 was not announced when this whole process started but certainly has been announced recently that we are moving forward aggressively on that project and that is going to provide a huge amount of inner city uh, redevelopment opportunity that uh, in my mind is the right kind of growth uh, for the for the times that we are in so if you're asking me, do I support a, uh, an urban boundary expansion, I would say no. Uh, I think uh, what we need to do is look for that growth in, in spaces that we already have. Uh, you know, and, 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 and saying no to an urban boundary expansion is not saying no to growth. It's just saying no to growth in the sprawl sense, in the kind of the out, outlying areas, and saying yes to growth in spaces that we know we have available in, in our boundary as it stands today. 
And so, uh, and, and if we add to that the, uh, the opportunities of LRT and all the growth that, uh, that, that, that uh, Kitchener-Waterloo experienced, then, you know, I, can, I, I think we can anticipate even more given, given the length of the corridor and the kind of redevelopment opportunities there are all the way along the corridor in terms of higher density. That, uh, that, that uh, is going to be, a, I think, a significant opportunity for us to get close to the growth projections but I, I'm very skeptical of the uh, projections that uh, that our staff are required to make their recommendations on, and that's that's part of the challenge here is that the uh, the province has set a bar. Uh, they set a 30-year horizon. They set a, a a population projections, and then have said you must adhere to these projections and provide for the numbers that uh, are required. And that is the basis on which our staff are making their recommendations. I am. We've, uh, we, we could spend the whole hour talking about this. I understand, could, and you're right; it is a very so, complex issue, and we've had a number of programs on it. Uh, we're going to go to a break in a second. I, I've had dozens and dozens of emails and phone calls about this subject, as you might expect, Mr. Mayor. And okay. I just want to pull one out, just as a topic of conversation, and maybe okay. we'll pick this up on the other side. Uh, this is from Alexis, uh, who identifies herself as living here in Hamilton. It says encroaching on green space to expand the urban boundary is inherently a bad idea. That said turning to environmental and agricultural experts to determine whether there may be tracts of land outside the urban boundary that are less valuable to adequate food production and to keep the environmental healthy would be the way to go about it. Conversely, there may also be some tracts of land within the urban boundary that should have been placed in the green belt and could possibly be swapped out with tracts of land presently outside the boundary. She says, let's be smart and careful about this, not hyperbolic and emotional. Uh, so, in other words, they're saying let's let's study this, and I, th I think that's the point you're making. Is you uh, just to have the question out there, absent of context and information, uh, I don't think we're going to get a clear view on this. So, let me do the break, Mr. Mayor. We're going to come back in a couple of minutes. Uh, we'll get some phone calls. I get your response to this and a number of other issues we're going to have. It's the Mayor's Town Hall. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberger with us on the Bill Kelly Show. Back after this. You're listening to the Bill Kelly Show podcast on 900 CHML. Mr. Mayor, just before the break, we were talking about urban expansion, and uh, mm -hmm. I, I read an email from Alexis uh, suggesting yep. that one option here might be swapping out, uh, <laughs> suggesting that, look, at not everything that is zoned agriculture is prime agricultural land. And, and we got into that a couple of years ago uh, when I was on planning that it, it, as, as an agricultural zoning is almost a fallback. If it's not residential and it's not commercial, uh, they usually just call it agricultural. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be fertile agricultural land. Are you open to the idea of looking into swapping lands uh, within the Green Belt and, and with some of the other parts that may actually be in the <laughs> urban boundary now? Yes, and, uh, you know, in that very, very insightful comment by Alexis, uh, you know, one, one, one area which is, you know, all lands are not prime, prime agricultural lands is true, even, even though, you know, we, we want to protect as much agricultural land as possible. It, it, they're, they're not all, you know, great agricultural spaces. Some of them are, you know, subpar, quite frankly. So it, that, I think that's an argument that is uh, too often used, but uh, there's every reason to protect. On the other side of the uh, the coin, uh, there are a number of locations that are anomalies that uh, that have kind of built up over time, where it's surrounded by development and uh, and uh, uh, you know not not developable at this point because it isn't within the urban boundary just because of the way they evolved over time. So I'm I'm really interested in in fixing some of those anomalies, but on a very limited basis. Uh, at the same time, I'm uh, I'm also interested in ensuring that uh, that that uh, you know the prime agricultural land is protected as much as possible because uh, it is a uh, an industry in our city. It is an employment opportunity that also provides the kind of food and nourishment that we need uh, going forward. So all those arguments are accurate and true, 
and uh, are worthy of uh, consideration when we look at these uh, expansion opportunities. Uh, Frank wants to weigh in on this. One of our listeners, uh, 905-645-3221, mm-hmm. star 9900. Frank, I appreciate you holding on. Go ahead for the mayor. Mr. Mayor, uh, glad to be able to talk to you again. Um, carrying on with the urban expansion um, criteria, um, I, I'm as a young fellow, young lad, I, I grew up in the, the north end of Hamilton, uh, precisely at the bottom end of Gage Avenue, and uh, I can recall UL2, and this is going back quite a few years, where the, the the steel company expropriated much of the land around there, as did the industrial belt development occur in, in that it uh, expropriated hundreds of homes in that area, and, and uh, that area, as you well know, has now depleted quite um, extensively from the industrial uh, era of, the, of those years, uh, vacant uh, property still existed, the CAL from Woodward Avenue back right way over even to, let's say, the bottom of even Wellington Street. It appears to me there's um, could be salvaged land there. Am I right? Am I wrong? Or what is the potential of having that redeveloped again into a residential area that once was there? Um, can you comment on that, please? Frank, I appreciate the call. I'm going to let you go and let the mayor sure. respond to this. I, I think the, uh, the the essence of what he's asking here, Mr. Mayor, is when you talk about infill within the urban boundary, and let's talk about, well, the lower city, for instance, what are you envisioning? Is it is it old industrial land? Is it th- things of this nature? Uh, and, and do you envision the kind of, of, of housing that people may be anticipating or may want uh, to be able to build in those locations? Back in the day when, when industry was king here in the city of Hamilton, uh, people wanted to live close to that industry. And, uh, you know, a lot of that housing, uh, you know, was uh, right next to Stelco and DeFasco and people walked to work and, uh, you know, Barton Street was vibrant. Uh, you know, all of that was happening. Uh, since then, because of, you know, the environmental issues, uh, the desirability of those spaces has gone down significantly. So we've got a lot of challenged little pockets of neighborhoods that, uh, that are still challenged. Uh, they, uh, they are still there, uh, many of them, and I think they're being uh, utilized to, to the best degree possible. Uh, I don't know that there's a lot of spaces there that are desirable for redevelopment. I think there, are, there needs to be a buffer between, uh, you know, the industry, which is still very much there. And, uh, you know, what is happening, uh, Frank, is that the, uh, you know, the mass of the lands that was Stelco is uh, is really being uh, looked at as a uh, repurposing opportunity. So uh, that's certainly an area that's being looked at. But I don't I don't believe that they're going to be looking at residential opportunities in those spaces. What we're predominantly talking about is the the lands that are all, that already exist in within the urban boundary. We have about a 20 year supply within the urban boundary already for for uh, a, a you know, housing projections. And we have, as you know, uh, you know, numerous parking lots and spaces and infill spaces in the inner city. And if you think about downtown or you think about the West End or uh, the East End or, you know, what, uh, what uh, Frank was talking about, uh, there are numerous places uh, in there that uh, have former industrial buildings on there that can be repurposed. Uh, there are right now there are developments happening in, uh, in you know, the former Woodward School right on uh, Woodward Avenue. Uh, complete townhouse development, uh, you know, happening in that space. So there are spaces that can be repurposed that we should be looking at as new housing uh, uh, renewal opportunities. And that's really what we're talking about when we're talking about inner city growth. All right, let's uh, move on. We're still on the same subject, obviously, and it's, it sparked some interest, as I thought it might, uh, with our mm-hmm. listeners this morning. I want to move on to uh, Vic. You're next on the Bill Kelly Show. Vic, your question or comment for the mayor? 
Good morning. Uh, I'm calling, uh, I live on the West Mountain in between Upper James and West Fifth. There used to be a school there, they tore it down. Uh, the city bought it off the Board of Education, and they sold it to Kiwanis uh, and Victoria Homes. They're putting, they want to, uh, they proposed to the city, and that was part of the city's deal, was they want to put two eight-story apartment buildings and back-to-back townhouses around the perimeter of the property uh, geared to income. Now, this mm-hmm. is a mature neighborhood. The crime rate is way down here, almost to zero. And they want to put this here in the center of a mature neighborhood, and that's what's putting I'm putting my house up for sale because I'm not going to put up with that. And uh, I can't even get permits to do my son's basement the way I want it, but yet you can turn around and you can change the bylaws here from a mountain residential area to a downtown commercial. Now, that's what we're classified as now, so that you can do this project. The sewer system is not going to handle all them people in this survey. I I just want to find out your response to it. Vic, okay, Vic, again, I'll let, I'll let you go. I'll let you go, Vic, and I'm going to let the mayor respond to this. Uh, this is not a new argument, Mr. Mayor. You've heard about this all the time. No. Every time we talk about infill and intensification, uh, you've got people that saying, I don't want high-rises in my neighborhood. I bought this in a nice residential, single-family residential neighborhood. I don't want you starting to move this stuff in here. There's, there's always been a lot of pushback on this. How's council going to handle that? Yeah, and that's uh, that's a uh, that's always a challenging issue when you see change happening in neighborhoods. But the reality is that uh, you know some of those changes are going to be necessary if we're going to evolve as a community. Anyway, I mean, uh, even if we expand the urban boundary, and the expansion that we're talking about is limited to like one percent of the landmass, it's very, very modest. Uh, but the reality is that these kinds of infilling opportunities are a way forward for us to provide new housing opportunities and a new housing mix. And I would say, uh, and I'd be willing to bet that uh, the entire complex that Vic is talking about is not all geared to income. And by the way, uh, I grew up in geared income, uh, you know, and I I don't know that I can put a negative connotation to that uh, because it was a perfectly safe, uh, you know, environment. Uh, I spent, you know, the better part of, uh, you know, 18 years growing up in a geared income, uh, you know, environment that has uh, was particularly beneficial to, uh, to me and my family. And I don't know that we should be taking a, you know, a jaundiced eye to, uh, to looking at those opportunities because it helps a lot of people get to the next level of middle income that are coming either into our country or that are looking for that kind of additional opportunity to get a hand up so that they can uh, progress as, uh, as, as part of our society. So it's particularly helpful. But in any circumstance, uh, in, in any location like that, we're looking for a housing mix. And that means that you would have market housing. In other words, uh, you know, potentially a for sale condominium. Uh, you would have uh, affordable housing in the mix of all of that. You may have some rental opportunities, and you may have some social housing or geared to income housing. We we have and we continue to ensure that that housing mix is part of how you develop uh, any site in our community. And so, uh, that I am pretty confident that that particular location has the full mix of housing. And I, I personally, Vic, would say I wouldn't be too worried about uh, having geared to income in your community because uh, those folks are just looking for an added opportunity to uh, to improve their lives and get on to uh, what you might have, which is a single-family home uh, aspiration or you know a higher-quality rental opportunity and better opportunity for their kids and their families, which is exactly what happened in my situation and with my family. 
Uh, yeah, and I, we get that kind of thing all the time, and I, I, I'm frustrated by it as well, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I know people that live in Gear D income to this day, and matter of fact, some of them are seniors who are retired now, and you know because of the reduced income, this is this, this they're they're happy for this sort of thing. It's a roof over their head, and uh, it's it's a great idea. Uh, and to suggest that people are in these houses are going to be problematic and crime rates rise, I, I, it is something that I, I think we just have to quash this. That's a, that's a myth. That's a rumor, and it's it's not really beneficial or helpful in situations like this. But what do you say to the people that, that have responded to the survey and said, look at, you know, as you mentioned, the, the proposed uh, increase in the urban boundary right now is modest. It's not a whole lot of land uh, that say, look at, you know, I'm a young person. I want to start a family. I want a single family residential. Mr. Mary, you have a single family residential home. Most of the people on council have the same thing. Why do you robbing me of that opportunity to do that? I don't want to live in a high rise downtown. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we're doing that though. So, so the, the, as I mentioned earlier, there is still plenty of land available for single family or for townhouse or the kind of housing opportunities that people are looking for. So, we're not talking about uh, cutting off single family developments in the city of Hamilton. There's there's plenty of land within the urban boundary right now to be able to uh, to do that. Uh, but there's also plenty of spaces and infilling opportunities to create higher density. And I think we could all agree that uh, continuing to sprawl out is not just about agricultural land. It's also about how you manage to uh, maintain a sustainable community. Uh, the, the further out you spread without, without uh, you know, looking at all the costs of the services that come with it, uh, the more costly your community becomes. And that, that is a net, net uh, detractor for everyone in our community because your taxes are going to rise uh, exponentially the further out you spread because you have to provide the schools, you have to provide the roads, you have to provide the sewers and the water lines. And if you can do all of that on, on, on property that already exists within the urban boundary that's already serviced, then you have a much more sustainable community going forward. We also have to concern ourselves with climate change. And, you know, the reality is that we, we have to start thinking about uh, living differently. I would say the, 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 the up-and-coming generation, I think, accepts that. I think the older generation that have all been geared to, uh, you know, single family uh, home ownership, a lot of them are changing their uh, approaches as well, where, you know, as they're getting older and they want to put some money in their jeans, they, uh, they're looking at condominiums or, uh, or rental opportunities. And so that entire housing mix becomes part of the challenge going forward. We're not cutting off single family opportunities. There are opportunities to have that happen. But what we're saying is let's, let's measure how much we can develop within, within the boundary that we already have as opposed to adding more. And let's maximize the opportunity of expanding our, our housing developments along the LRT corridor that is going to be a, you know, a $5 billion investment that is intended to inspire that kind of development. And that would include single family. It might include rental properties, might include some high-rise condominiums, you know, the whole housing mix that you can think of, as well as significant affordable housing opportunities along that corridor. So I, I would say uh, we're not cutting anything off. Uh, there's going to be plenty of opportunity for single family, but uh, let's think hard about how we want to uh, create a sustainable city going, going into the future that uh, not only deals with, uh, you know, the costs that we're all going to bear, but uh, provides the kind of mix of housing opportunities that people are going to want. 
I got a couple of minutes left here, and there's a couple of other things I want to touch on, and, and we appreciate the calls and the input. We'll try to get back to those in a second. Uh, City Council got an update about the West Harbor Film Hub uh, earlier this week, Mr. Mayor, as you know. Uh, the Aon Group, uh, studio group, uh, there was a big to-do yep. about this in 2019. They, uh, at that time, committed to buy the 14-acre uh, par parcel of land. They still have not done that. Uh, and uh, by way of explanation, they basically said, look, it's a lot more contaminated than we thought. Now, I know they're still doing some business there on a different property, uh, but there's two things about this that, that concern me. One is the fact that they haven't made the land purchase yet. Secondly, is that the, the contamination level in that piece of property, which, by the way, as some people may remember, uh, was where some people wanted to put the, the proposed uh, Commonwealth or the, the football stadium, which is now Tim Hortons Field. Uh, and mm -hmm. at the time, there was a lot of debate about, well, it was going to be, I think, 3 to $5 million to clean it up. Apparently, uh, the folks at Aon are saying it's significantly more than that. So uh, are you concerned that you got false information about the cleanup initially? And uh, I, I, I'm concerned because I think, boy, if council had gone ahead and decided that's where they're going to build the stadium, I don't know if it'd be built yet uh, because of the cleanup costs. Uh, so two-pronged so, so, question quickly. Yeah. Are you concerned about Aon and their commitment to this community? And are you concerned about those those cleanup costs? Uh, no and no. Uh, so the, the cleanup class for a stadium is different than when you're proposing, uh, you know, active daily use on the site for, or, or, or if you're raising the standard to residential. So there are, there are variables there that are different. Uh, I was very comfortable with the stadium location, as you can well expect. And the, uh, the cost for a stadium on that site uh, was not significantly uh, onerous uh, from a contamination or remediation perspective. Uh, if you're going to have more active use on that site, which Aon is proposing to do, and I'm very excited about their concept, and I am not at all worried about their commitment to this. Uh, I am I am strongly in favor of where they're going. I know they're doing their due diligence to ensure that they have all the information uh, that they need to, to, to create this development, and they put forward a very, very progressive, very active schematic about where the studio location is going to be on that site, uh, where the residential component is going to be on that site, which is where the higher uh, uh, remediation costs actually come in. Because if you're putting residential on a location, that the standard for remediation is higher, which then translates into more cost. But none of those are negatives. And so uh, Aon is moving forward. I anticipate that the uh, the transaction is going to going to be fulfilled. Uh, they have purchased, uh, they, uh, they have created a film studio, in fact, which is something they anticipated doing that they now have fulfilled, which is uh, the industrial building that they purchased uh, at the uh, the end of Stewart and, and the corner of Queen and Stewart, uh, that uh, they purchased about uh, seven or eight months ago and actually created a film studio there. So we have a film studio in the city of Hamilton, and they're, they're acquiring other properties in the area to help fulfill uh, the the entire concept. So I am very very excited and enthused. I think everyone should be that this opportunity for a film studio with all the ancillary uh, opportunities that come with it is going to be developed on those Tiffany lands. Uh, they're moving forward aggressively on that, and uh, I look forward to uh, to having that fulfilled uh, sooner rather than later. I will tell you. I'll tell you this. Uh, you know, 20 years ago you were here. I think uh, we acquired the lands uh, piers five, six, seven, and eight. And it took us the better part of 20 years to get uh, to, to where we are now, which is remediation of site, uh, put installing the, uh, the front end of the waterfront uh, recreational opportunities. And we have yet not put a residential unit on that site, although that is in the works and coming as well. So it's some 1,200 units to be put on uh, Pier 8. But it took the better part of 20 years to get there. 
Uh, these folks have been working on this for two years now, and they're moving aggressively, and I anticipate that uh, they're going to fulfill their uh, their vision, and uh, I'm fully supportive of it. Uh, we're just about, while well, we are out of time, I'm getting the high sign here from our producers. Uh, our, our apologies to the callers we didn't get to, this, which is why we always encourage people to get on early in the hour uh, so they don't get backlogged here. Uh, and we're going to continue this, the one-hour segments with our Mayor's Town Hall uh, going forward on this, too. And lots more to talk about uh, in the days and weeks ahead. One quick note, though. I know we're running out of time. Uh, we're now told that the uh, provincial update on uh, on the recovery plan is going to be announced publicly at 1130. And the premier is going to talk about it at 2. And we can only right. hope, Mr. Mayor, that this is going to include uh, full capacity for restaurants, bars, and uh, small businesses in this community. Uh, certainly could use some good news at this stage. Thanks so much for the time today, Mr. Mayor. Have a good weekend, and uh, we'll talk again soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Bill. I'm uh, 100% confident that they're going to expand the restaurant and uh, gym capacity. And uh, folks have uh, lingering questions, 905-546-4200. They can call me anytime. I'm happy to talk to them. Hamilton Mayor Fred Eisenberg. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.